Welcome, Chiefs Kingdom, to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. If my name was Gautier, I may be singing, Now You're Just Some Burrow That I Used to Know. Somebody! Sterling, how are you doing? My co-host here and good friend. What color? What are you wearing right now? It's like a plaid hoodie. It's I'm like golden. A- it, it's, a, it's a hoodie. First, and then I, just, I threw a, a flannel overneath, or over the top, I should say. It's a little, a little flannel, chilly. You're wearing a flannel hoodie overneath. I'm wearing a flannel over a hoodie and hi, <laughs> Lily. Happy for life. What's up? Uh, ha- Hello, Lily. Um, I'm also rocking a, a hat from Crown City. Shout out to Crown City. Yeah, I love that. Uh, folks, welcome to the broadcast. It's been a little while. It's been a little while for the holidays. Um, it's been a little while since Sterling, I've seen you. But welcome back, my friend. How are you feeling? Look, you and I haven't talked since the Chiefs both embarrassed themselves on national TV on a holiday, but then made up for it by clinching the division on a holiday. So between the two, how are you like how are you feeling about the Chiefs these days? Yeah, it's a weird situation of of okay, the Chiefs won the AFC West eight straight seasons. That's outstanding, grand scheme of things. This is amazing. I'm sitting here going, okay, if the Chiefs can get to 25 points every single game, they're going to win almost every single game. I think that even includes the playoffs. I'm almost thinking that the game plan against the Bengals needs to be the game plan going forward. Now, the Chiefs, the reason why I say this is, is, of course, I want more explosive plays. Of course, I want this, that, and the other. Of course, I don't want the Chiefs to continuously lose the turnover battle, which, once again, they lost. But at some point, we have to sit back and realize this is who this team is expecting greatness that is the outlier not saying they can't do that but what have we seen the majority of the season they are a team that's going to lose the turnover margin they will have more penalties and they will have drops now can they overcome that based on elite defense the effectiveness of running the football and quite frankly the best or one of the best kickers this season in football that's what it comes down to. It's wild that in 2024 now, we're sitting here with Andy Reid as the head coach and offensive genius, the best quarterback in football in Patrick Mahomes, and we're sitting here going, you know what? I want them to run the ball more, run at a 12 personnel, and take care of the football. If you do that, based on this Chiefs defense, they still can win a Super Bowl, but they have to do it a different way. Yeah. Yeah, let me let me say this from the front on the show. Because I have a sunny side up mentality here, and and here's why. Look, every team, including Baltimore Ravens, I'm going to put this out there. I know Baltimore's playing well right now, but every team has played well at some point in the season, right? But you and I both, we've talked about this. Every team has a fatal flaw. Every team has looked beatable or looked mortal. And so when you look at those teams, you think, oh, they're not going to do it. And then a couple weeks later, you look at that team, you're like, oh, the the Niners aren't going all the way. There's no way. Oh, the Ravens aren't going all the way. There's no The Bills, they're not even making the playoffs now. The Bengals, they just lost their quarterback. Like you, we've, we've gone up and down the list of contenders and knocked them all out for some reason. So here's what I'm thinking. If it's really as wide open as it is, here's the, here's the truth. There are people who think that they could do it, and then there are people who have done it. And you know who has done it? Patrick Mahomes has done it. Isaiah Pacheco's done it. Travis Kelsey's done it. Andy Reid's done it, right? Chris Jones has done it. Nick Bolton's done it. LeJarrius Sneed's done it. Trey McDuffie's done it. 
a, a long, long list of people on both sides of the ball for the Chiefs have already done it before. It's like they have the experience of going all the way, of lifting that Lombardi, of being on the ropes, and then responding when it matters most versus a lot of these teams that look good at the right time when it really doesn't count, and they're hoping it counts when it does. I think there's something there in the water for me in terms of having experience when other teams don't. That's going to come through for this Chiefs team um, when maybe there are more doubters than there should be. I'm with you, and there's a fun stat I want to get to in just a second. But first, FanDuel, everyone. Yeah, that's right. Arrowhead Attic, we're back with FanDuel. Hey, Chiefs fans, if you've not downloaded the FanDuel Sportsbook yet, you will definitely want to take advantage of this limited time offer. After signing up, new users must deposit 10 bucks and place a first wager of $5 on any active line. Even if your first bet loses, you will still receive $150 in bonus bets. This promo will be automatically added to your account when you sign up through our link. I guess I have to say this, bit.ly slash arrow 150. Um, using our link not only gets you this fantastic bonus, but also directly supports the Arrowhead Attic team. So if you've not signed up for FanDuel, make sure you do by scanning the QR code on screen or clicking that is uh, the in-link description below. The link is bit.ly forward slash arrow 150. This offer is available to new customers who are 21 plus and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description <laughs> for our sign-up link in full terms of the offer. Dude, you've never used Bitly, have you? It's like a link. No, I've never heard of a Bitly. All right, yeah. Is it like yeah. Whitley? Like 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 Whitley Merrifield? It's like uh, like you drive a Bitly. Uh, really quickly, going back to what I was Go saying before that, this was the first time in the Mahomes era, or in the Mahomes era since Tyreek Hill has left, including last year and this year, right? That he's had over a hundred yards on deep balls. It was a fun yeah. stat on Next Gen Stats. Uh, he was two for three. One, and that counts only air yards. So not, not a guy who threw a 10-yard out route and then took it for 60 in the words of Brock Purdy in the 49ers, right? This is a, a, a strictly air yards coupled with it had to go 20-plus in the air and then add that on. Justin Watson had 41, and then Rasheed Rice had the 67, yeah. right? This is the first time since Tyreek's left. And that's why I was so enthused about them finally connecting on a deep ball. Because we have not seen that. And they were still able to win a Super Bowl last year. But this just opens up the offense more. Uh, we know they've struggled all season long connecting on the deep ball. I mean, the MVS topic, which we'll get into a little later on, obviously rings true. But when you see Rasheed Rice, and he talks about after the game, that was supposed to be a hitch. And that was a hitch where he goes, you know what? I'm going to burn this dude. I see the separation. I can get it. Mahomes understands and he will find me. What happens? They were on the same page. Yeah, it was supposed that's... to be a hitch. And Mahomes goes, I see what you see, Rishi. Finally, finally, you see what I see. And that was a huge development for this Chiefs offense. Again, small sample size. I'm not saying this is all of a sudden the Chiefs offense is fixed. But what I am saying is we noticed it about six weeks ago. I think it was Matt Nagy or Andy Reid that said uh, Rishi Rice is becoming more Patrick friendly. This exact play is more Patrick friendly. It was on a deep ball. Again, a massive connection and also the first technical deep ball of Rasheed Rice's career, which is pretty yeah. exciting. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. That, that, that's a huge development. And these are the kinds of things. These are the kinds of things that when the Chiefs say, we're working on it, we're getting it. Like, I, I think you and I and, and like, you know, 99%, maybe 100% of fans are like 
stop giving us stupid generic quotes in a press conference. But when they're practicing all week long and seeing, ah, he's getting it a little bit more. Ah, he's growing a little bit more. Ah, the chemistry is a little bit stronger. Ah, the, the knowledge, it's working out in his reps. The instincts are starting to come through. The game is slowing down. Like maybe they should say those things specifically, but the easy way to say it is, Hey, look, we're getting it. We're like, we're seeing it in practice. We're, we're adjusting. We're, we're, we're like, we're coming along. And after week after week, you're like, stop saying that. Stop lying. Stupid coach speak, whatever. But the truth is, I think that's what the Chiefs have been pointing to this whole time saying, look, you may not be able to see the incremental ways that Rasheed Rice is growing, but no one's going to care what Rasheed Rice looked like in week 10 versus week 12 versus like, you're just going to look at the whole season, but we're seeing he's headed towards something really special. And if, and that means good things for the wide receiver room, like you know, Justin Watson looked great on Sunday for that matter. Pacheco, when's the last time he dropped a pass, right? He's catching every target coming his way. He's improving as a pass catcher in some ways. I like the way that some of these young guys are growing, and I think it's getting the Chiefs offense there. I have to give a huge shout-out to Isaiah Pacheco, who played 93% of snaps, 50 snaps total as a running back, which is pretty much absurd. You don't see that, especially in today's NFL. Obviously, no Clyde in this game, no Jarek McKinnon, so he was the bell cow. I just found this to be maybe his most complete game in the entire NFL yeah. tenure he's had so far. Again, it's not a large yeah. sample size, a couple of years, but as a guy who has had a lot of wasted movement, I, I personally, this is my, this is me talking here, not the chiefs. He has a lot of wasted movement. I know we all sit and, and say, look how fun it is. Look how angry he runs and all the, how he, the high knees and all this stuff. But he also dances a lot back there in the backfield before he actually decides what to do. Right. What did we see in this game? How much wasted movement? How much dancing around did we see? None. He was decisive. He showed great vision. And then the physicality and the, the toughness to bring down showed out. That's what, what really stood out to me in this game from Isaiah Pacheco. It was a man who was decisive. Now, Wanya Morris, I think, struggled. He really struggled uh, a game ago. Yeah. And he struggled the first half against uh, uh, Trey Hendrickson as well as uh, Sam, Sam Hubbard. But the second half... He really stepped up, and then get, that gave me a lot of optimism, right? I know you're a big Wanye Morris fan yourself, but I, I think he, he he's the best run-blocking tackle the Chiefs have. And I, I keep saying every time they run to his side, it feels like there's some running lanes to go through. So if he can just shore up, and, and again, that was a nice little couple-game stretch for him where he got introduced to the physicality and the toughness of the NFL. When you're going up against uh, you know, Sam Hubbard, Trey Hendrickson, was it uh, Khalil Mack the week before? Um, yeah. Like, like that's a good learning curve for him. He got yes. beat a couple of times as a rookie will do, but now yes. he knows what to expect as he goes into the playoffs. That for me was actually a little minor takeaway. Wilson, you sent the game winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 455 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Look, that that whole line, look, you brought up Wanya Morris. I want to add to that. 
Khalil Mack is having a hell of a season. Trey Hendrickson has 16, what, 16 sacks, something like that. I mean, Hendrickson's having a hell of a season. The, like, it's not like it's not like Wanya Morris got beat by the best guy on a bad defense. Like, he just played two of the NFL's best defensive ends. You like those guys beat guys on the regular. They just don't beat Wanya Morris's. They beat most tackles that they go against at least once or twice or five times a game. That's what they're going to do. You know, you don't you don't cry foul over a guard who lets Chris Jones get some of his. You say he went against Chris Jones. Chris Jones is going to get his. So, Wanya Morris went up against some dogs and got bit. That's what happens there. But at the same time, you're right. He's showing improvement. He's holding his own in a lot of ways. Look, when you got a cross control young talent like that who can if he can even be average slightly above average and you're paying him six hundred thousand dollars nine hundred thousand dollars that you do it you do it that's what you do so yeah i'm for by the way Jawan taylor looked better last game creed humphrey and tooney looked uh were like they were back to imposing their will in some ways um i like where that whole line was 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 at last game and if they're going to settle into that going forward i i like where like their collective unit is going uh just really quickly i've seen some things uh from nikki m and nate rogers i believe they're talking about the uh the coin toss of the chiefs um is what i'm picking up from you from what you guys are saying the chiefs do great when they win the coin toss because they defer and then they win those games and then when they don't win the coin toss they lose i, I know it's you, you can say it's some wonkiness and i'm with you but it's because the chiefs i, I think the, i believe the stat was they're the best scoring team the highest scoring team the best uh margin with two minutes left to go in the first half Right. So what do they do? They score before half and then they get the ball back to start the second half. That's why they are so good when they win the coin toss. They defer. They score before half typically. And then they get the ball to come out of half. It's the only time in the game where you have the opportunity to get back to back possessions. And the Chiefs have done uh They've taken advantage of that, right? That that's been kind of their yeah. their calling card this season. Which again, it kind of makes you wonder why are they so so good in the two minute drill, and yet the offense has struggled when they're not running the two minute drill. A little bit of food for thought, but I do find that pretty interesting. Um, going to the snap count share because I do want to talk about the wide receivers for a little bit here. Uh, the largest snap count share was She Rice. He was the number one uh, wide receiver with snaps with 78 percent. Okay, I know we like to see more, but let's be real. 78% for a rookie wide receiver is still pretty solid. I'm not going to complain too much about that. Especially after 16 weeks. Yes. Uh, MVS came in at second, which I will give my thoughts on in a second. He came in at second at 70%. Uh, Then you have to go all the way down to Noah Gray, third at 44%. Richie James with 22%. uh, And then Justin Ross with 13. McColl with nine. Um, So my takeaway here was the Chiefs ran a lot more 12 personnel which I love to see Noah Gray played nearly 60% of snaps in this game. Love seeing more 12 personnel. They're effective at it. They're very effective running the football at a 12 personnel. I love the fact that Rasheed Rice was in the field the majority of the game. And I will say to an extent, as much as I don't like MVS, they tried getting guys into a rhythm, right? It was a smattering of McCall Harmon as a breather, a smattering of Justin Ross once the Chiefs got into the end zone. But my main concern here is MVS, sit on the bench. You're done. Justin Watson, congratulations, you bump up. And Richie James, you bump up. I am so done with MVS. 
the final nail in the coffin for me was when he drops the ball and he on national television puts his hands on his hip as if to say to Mahomes, yeah, that ball was slightly behind me by about six inches. Are you sorry, earmuffs kids? Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. Mahomes has been dodging bullets for you, taking the sword all season long. He's basically said, Hey, sorry, yeah, I've been putting butter all over MBS's hands before every single game. That's on me. That's why he can't catch. Yeah, sorry, I've been duct taping stones to his hands so he can't catch the rock. Like MVS, not only there, he also had a brutal drop that doesn't count as a drop on the D ball. On the D ball, what's he do? He's trying to tell you a story about how big of a fish he caught with his hands as far apart. What are you doing? You will not catch a fish with COVID rules. Six feet apart? Are you kidding me, MVS? Catch a football like this. Not like this. It looked like bleeping Sammy Watkins running away from Richard Sherman. Like, that's what his hands were doing. Here's Richard. Here's Sammy. Yeah, no shit. You're not going to catch the ball, MVS. Are you serious? Gosh, I get so frustrated that, again, I've been relatively easy on the guy because good blocker hasn't really said a word outside of that one interview where I think there were some bad questions asked. I think he was trying to prove a point. He was just, he said it wrong. I get it. It looks bad. But when you try showing up Mahomes after all that has gone on this season and you, you're showing this on national television and then you, you try and catch a deep ball like this, I'm all the way done, man. Get out. I don't care how good of a block you are. Put Richie James and Justin Watson, you, me, uh, you, me, and Dupree. I don't care. I, I am absolutely done with it. <laughs> Dupree, dude. That movie's so bad. Um, yeah, I, you know, I mean, I mean, I'm with you. I've, I've been a little bit, I don't want to say a defender of MBS because, uh, look, I guess for me, I've just been more curious. Like, where'd he go? Like, I, I just, it, it's it's a total mystery to me. It's a total mystery to me how a guy could play that much, have as much experience as he does, have as much proven production as he does. And that's not to say he's been like a Pro Bowl caliber receiver, but every year you can count on 600 yards. Every year you could count on 40, 50 catches. Um, you know, he had, he had a career high, like almost career high last year or something. It just seemed like he should be at least safe for a certain amount, but he's averaging half, half, half of what he had last year. Like it was like 1.3 receptions per game coming into the weekend and like around 20 yards per game coming into the weekend. And that works. If you're a guy, it doesn't really work, but it works better. If you're a guy like sky Moore, where you're like still unproven and maybe still young, but you can't pay a guy $11 million annually for that amount. And he can't be 29 and you can't have five years of at least some level of consistent production with a slight bit of drops there. MVS has fallen off the face of the earth. It's the kind of thing where you wonder after the season, if someone goes, yeah, he played with this injury all year or, yeah, he's had the yips in some way. It's, yeah, it's Chuck Knobloch. It's Chuck Knobloch right it is now. That. It's 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 like when it's like when Harrison Butker couldn't make a f- an extra point, and it's driving you crazy, and you end up going, "I'm searching and searching and searching for a reason that doesn't seem to exist," and I don't understand how the floor could just fall out. But this guy's not even doing his 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 job here, and he's- so. Mahomes knew enough not to put the football in his hands most of the season. 
but they're still trotting him out there. So there's this weird disconnect of, is it Mahomes' lack of trust? Is he too jittery? Is it MVS really that bad? If MVS is really that bad, why are they playing him that much? You know, it, it's just this weird, like taffy pull of reasons, and you're like, like I don't even know where to start, other than it's not working, and it needs to go back to the drawing board. And so even though they won, I'm still looking at that part of the offense going, you can't, you can't keep operating like that in the postseason. You can't. These Chiefs have no margin for error. You've already proven that. So you've got to remove the error. He's always been consistently inconsistent. I mean that is he'll have 60 yards one game, he'll have 15 the next. But we're no longer seeing the 60-yard games. Hell, we're not even seeing the 15-yard games anymore. It's done. Yeah. It's yeah. over. Um, I see a couple good comps right here. Uh, Primetime Gallus says Justin Watson should take all the MVS snaps and then bring Richie in to take Watson's 100% with you. I've gone through with some former Chiefs wide receivers before. You know, the difference between slot receivers and outside receivers and, you know, why MVS is out there. But Justin Watson obviously is the same position as MVS, right? He can take those. I don't think there's going to be a massive drop off as far as what Richie James could do, especially on the outside. Um, and then another one I saw was it's, it's why Travis Kelsey is getting doubled so much. It's why they can bracket yeah. him. MVS is supposed to be in the field to be a deep threat. He's supposed to draw some some coverage away. The issue is no one believes it. No one believes it. Why even, when, even when Mahomes does throw it to him, he ain't going to catch it. So it doesn't matter. So the, the whole thought process of, yeah, well, he stretches the field. Yeah, well, not really. He's not getting any of the safety help. No one's scared of that. No. So at, at some point, you're sitting there going, what does he bring? And he brings blocking. And that's fine and dandy. But it does not mean you need to play 70% of the snaps. Yeah, I'm, I'm shocked that he's still carrying what he's carrying. I tried to defend him small sample size argument wise for a while, but I, I just can't do it anymore. It's just, it's just silly with McCall Hardman back. It'll be interesting to see what he gets. Justin Ross, the apologist there, I, you know, whatever you guys, you guys need to like retire for the season at this point. And he wants to holding out for like Justin Ross to be the savior of the chiefs wide receiver room other than Rasheed Rice. You were talking snap counts. Did you want to go over snap counts anymore? That is the majority of what I had. Um, Drew Tranquil is still playing very few snap counts. Uh, past two weeks, if I'm not mistaken, he played 38% in this previous game. A um, little intrigued by that. I know it's obviously coming back off of injury, all that stuff, but I, I, I thought he was going to play a little larger share. I can't complain because the defense has been incredible. Um, I love what Spags. Do you think they're shading him for the offseason? Yeah, I think there's a little bit of something there um, for the postseason. You mean correct? The postseason, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I do. What I find interesting is early in games, and you know me, I love Nick Bolton. He played 88 percent of snaps. Love Nick Bolton. Um, we know his weaknesses. It's in pass coverage. But what's interesting is as the game goes on, he seemingly figures it out. Spags and him, they figure it out because he's not the most athletic linebacker. Yeah. But if you notice early on the past few weeks, what's happened? Teams have taken advantage and targeted Nick Bolton in the passing game. What happens in the second half? Spags, Nick Bolton adjust. Yeah. I find it a really interesting development that I've seen go on week after week after week now. The only one that was consistently able to exploit it was uh, the Buffalo Bills. And I, 
I don't, I can't remember actually if Bolton played in that game, but they, they, they were uh, targeting the inner third, just right up the middle in between the hashes. Teams have done this against Kansas City. The issue is, or I should I say the um, positive aspect of this is Spags has adjusted almost every single second half. If you look from like first quarter, second quarter, compared to third quarter, fourth quarter in recent weeks, just, just watch the game because no one's attacking McDuffie and Snead because they're too good. Yeah. No one's attacking those guys. So what you're doing is you're attacking the uh, the middle part of the field. But the Chiefs adjust in the second half. They find something. I just find this a really interesting chess piece that Spags has gone on with all season long. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Spags has done an incredible job. Fans always like the script is the same. Fans lose their mind in the beginning of a game. Oh, my gosh, our defense is so soft Like because they'll score on the first possession or two or three. And then that's all the points they'll score in a given game. And then by the end of the game, we're like, our defense is elite. And so it goes from like one, it goes from one thing to the next. By the way, given the job that Spags has done, do you think any team comes calling uh, after Black Monday for a potential head coaching interview? He might get an interview, but I'd be shocked if he got a job or if or how much he even wants a job at this point. How old is Spags? Like Spags is about retirement age. Yeah, I mean, he's what, 60, just a quick look, just for uh, 64. Yeah. Do you really want to take a head coaching job? You're going to go, let's just say you go to hypothetically Carolina. You want to go to Carolina? You want to go to, he's not going to the Patriots, but Bill Belichick and the Patriots are going to, are going to be gone. Let's just say yeah. Washington, which would be a wild turn. What if Washington's cleaned house, all of a sudden being enemy's gone, and then you all of a sudden have Spags go yeah. and become the head coach of what? Like, no, he's. I, I don't see him taking a job. He's in a really good spot. Yeah. The defense has been great. He's got his guys now. Yeah, They have a top three defense in the NFL by scoring. I I don't think that. I I, I don't. I, I don't see him wanting to. Do you think Dave Merritt earns a head coaching look? I think he starts getting defensive coordinator looks more first and foremost. Right. Yeah. I think that I think it's probably the next step for him. I, I'd be sure. shocked if he sure. goes straight from uh positional coach, position to, head coach, coach. to head coach. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if he starts getting some serious looks as a defensive coordinator. I would, judging on what the Chiefs Secondaries look like that. That would be great. Um, let's. Uh, I, I want to move to week eighteen here because, like the you know, obviously we've uh, we've said goodbye to the Bengals. Thank goodness we clinched the AFC West eighth eighth consecutive year. Um, it's an awesome ride so far. It leaves the Chiefs in an interesting position, and and I wonder what you think here because there are some guys who could really use an, a little bit more playing time to reach some important milestones. And I want to ask you, and I know this is just subjective to you, how important do you think we should treat those milestones and how much is worth, now that the Chiefs can't get a first-round buy, how, how important is it just for Reed to go, I don't care what your stats are, you all are resting because we got work to do in the offseason or in the postseason. Uh, or like, what What do you think there? There's only one that really matters to me. And I think everyone's going to agree. Travis Kelsey's 1,000 yards. Yeah. He's 16 yards away for eight straight 1,000-yard seasons. I mean, that's insane, absurd, I've heard of. I know of all the players in the Chiefs, too, he's probably the one that needs the rest the most. So you yeah. have this back and forth of, do you play him or do you not? 
Health is more important than anything. I don't even know if Travis will want to play. But if this were me, if I were the head coach, I'd say, Travis, I know you've been banged up. You're getting your, your ass kicked at the line of scrimmage every single game. Everyone's just trying to be super physical with you. Let's try and find a way to get you 16 yards real quick, then get out. Because again, for the historical purposes, you're going to look back in 20 years, in 20 years, and you're going to say, look at that. 20 yeah. years, you won't, you won't remember him sitting for because they, were, they clinched the playoffs. That, that won't matter to people. Yeah. And who knows, in 20 years, maybe there's 22 games and 1,000 yards means nothing. But but I I think it means something, historically speaking. And I think you got to get him those 16, like Rasheed Rice being, was it 60-some yards away or 80 yards away from 1,000? Sorry, he'll have way more opportunities. Doing as a rookie doesn't mean a ton to me. I don't know how much it means to him. Chris Jones, nine and a half sacks. I know getting to double digits is always the goal. I know there's going to be some bonuses involved. If you're the Chiefs, say, hey, Chris, how about we just pay you to not play? We'll give you the bonus. You're a half sack away. We think you're going to get it. We want you to rest. We'll still pay out the bonuses. That yeah. to me makes the most sense. Um, if guys are close and health is more important, I say choose health and do right by the guys. That's what yeah. I would do. The only one that matters to me. And again, Blaine Gabbert's going to play. Mahomes ain't going to be out there. I would be absolutely shocked if Mahomes played at all. Mm. It's, it's going to be Blaine Gabbert and you're probably going to call up Chris Oladokun. That, that's my best guess here. Uh, but get get Kelsey his 16 and get him out. Yeah, here, here's why I think this is important. You you brought this up, but I wondered if you agree with me here. When these guys call it a career, when they retire, we don't say, oh, Travis Kelsey had seven 1,000-yard seasons and three other almost 1,000-yard seasons. We don't say that. Correct. We, we just paint with a real thick line, 1,000-yard seasons. That's what he had. And so being 16 short – matters because when these guys when their careers are over we distill down all of their performances to like a couple sentences of, of accomplishments oh he made he made nine pro bowls and seven 1000 yard seasons and that's it we don't say anything about we don't say that he missed his whole rookie season with a knee injury we don't say he had two years of 850 yards before his first 1000 yard season and if he rests on sunday we won't even mention this year which includes missing one game and playing through all kinds of injuries and and double teams and offensive pathetic displays to still nearly get a thousand yards. Like we're going to lose the context of this year, which makes me want that thousand yards for him because I think you know what Travis Kelsey deserves this season to be on his permanent record and and in a way that that we reference it. And so if it means we got to shove the football in his mouth, if we got to like, I don't care if we pay chargers players to not guard him for one 20 yard gain. I'm like, I'm here for it because I think Kelsey deserves it. Um, he's had a hell of a year and, and the way that we, I don't know. I don't like the way that we like summarize these guys. Like, you know, like, Oh, he, you know, it's like Mitch Schwartz. I uh, never made the Pro Bowl. What do you, and he's like, we well, made five All Pros. Like, what do you? He was a, he was regarded as the best right tackle in the game when he played for a half decade. The best right, the best at his position in the game, and the guy's probably never going to sniff even a vote for the Hall of Fame because he's got a big fat zero on Pro Bowls. 
that's what we do to guys. We reduce it all down to like, well, yeah, this and this, and that's it. So, yeah, if it means that these guys have to cheat a little bit or we got to twist things to get them their milestones, I'm for it. And that means then, that means that I'm also for it for Rasheed Rice chasing Dwayne Bowe's franchise record for rookies. And it means I'm for it for Isaiah Pacheco chasing a thousand yard season no, two. No, 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 pal. I get what you're saying. That's that's the one where I draw the line. I get I get it because no one wants to see injuries. And if and if an injury happens, it would look so stupid and you would cry foul over it. But he but. just had shoulder surgery, my guy. I, I I know he feels fine and he looked good last game. I Dog, think he's fine. I think he's man. good. I'm I'm here for the milestones because I think that stuff matters when these guys call it a career. And that matters to me, the way we remember them. So that's what I'm saying. Sure. I, I think at the end of the day, it, the I, I don't see Pacheco playing for sure. That that seems far-fetched. Uh, I don't think well, any of these guys play other than I, I, maybe a snap or two. I, I do think Kelsey will will, will get his 16. I, I, I think that's going to be an Andy special. I'm sure they'll ask Kelsey. And it's going to be Kelsey's decision. I'd actually, I wonder what he would even say about this because he's been banged up. And I wonder if he wants to sit just to try and get healthy. It might be what's best for the team, but I'm with you, man. hundred percent. Again, when you look back on careers, you, you say how many thousand yard seasons, not how many 984 yard seasons plus do they have? <laughs> yeah. It's just, you know, fair or not. That's what we do. And so I want to see Kelsey in response to that. Let's go to some of the comments. I, I um, Love the uh, I, l- I love the feedback here, and some of you are Phantom Ten Ninety says Matt, you are so far off. Uh, totally agree with you. My wife agrees with you. Uh, totally agree with you. I bet they would trade a Super Bowl ring over a thousand yard season. Hey, I I don't think it has to be uh, Phantom. Appreciate the comment. That's fine. Disagree. I'm you know, I don't think it has to be a, an either or. I think it can be both. Um, I agree. The wise move is to is to sit guys. I just also really want these guys to get their milestones. That's what I want. Um, yeah. Chad P- Piatig, Pitig, whatever it is. Sorry, Chad. I'm, I'm butchering your last name, but it says it would take more than half of a game for each of these guys to, and I'm assuming he means to reach their milestones. Yeah. I, I mean, there, therein lies the problem. What if you put Travis Kelsey out there and the Chargers rookie safety who's playing ours like, over my dead body, am I giving him? You know, like then, you know, then what do you do with that? Do you keep the, putting him out there? Uh, you know, that, that's what makes it hard because you can't guarantee it. Yeah, it's tough, man. It, it's going to be a tough decision, especially one for Andy to make. But if you're going to play the guys in the preseason, I guess if you're going to if you're going to put be one of the few teams that actually plays these dudes in the preseason, I want how much difference does it make? And also, again, Mahomes isn't going to play in, in in some of these guys, especially Kelsey and Pacheco, have been banged up. The offense hasn't been humming. It hasn't been. H- no. How much do you do you value trying to trying to get some of the momentum that you currently had and keep the same momentum? You talk about it all the time. Not you personally, but I, I hear it all the time. Well, they had the bye, which is great because they got healthy. They also got rusty. You hear it a lot in baseball, specifically baseball. I think baseball yeah. is the better one because that's a little different of a, of a situation. There's not quite as physical. There's still obviously the toll, 162 games, this, that, and the other. But again, you, you know, you're trying to hit a hundred mile per hundred mile per hour fast, but you don't see one for for a week and a half. Oh, wow, that looks a little faster. But even <laughs> football, like football speed's a little different, right? It takes a little ramp up period, this, yeah. that. And so 
I do wonder how, how do you guys view this? How do you view if you're Andy Reid and the team who you value preseason a lot for this reason to get ready? You, you finally start getting some deep shots going. <laughs> I don't know. It's interesting. It, there, there's a case to be made on both sides. So I I I totally agree with that. Um, we talk about the offense, Sterling. You and I haven't talked for a couple weeks, um, and like just with all the dust up of uh, around coaches and you know we lost the enemy this season. How much did that take away? We added Nagy, and then he's screwing things up. I you and I haven't had the chance to really talk about this at length. And it made me wonder where you stand on this. I tweeted out the other day. I said, look, we I said zero. We know zero whether Nagy's at fault. It was something along the lines of we know zero whether Nagy's at fault. And we know zero whether Nagy is not at fault. In other words, like there's just no way those of us outside of Arrowhead can know the role that Matt Nagy plays or does not play in the offensive miscues and ineptitude this year. Do you agree with that? What do you think of that? So I've been pretty consistent, I think, on Matt Nagy, which is he can't catch the ball for people. He can't. Whenever it complains about the drops, they they blame Matt Nagy. I do not blame Matt Nagy for drops. What can he do? Don't drop it, guys. Like People always love to say the word accountability. Because they like the word accountability. They want to know what is he doing to get guys in the right spot? What's he doing to get guys to catch the ball? What's he, what's he doing to keep guys accountable? It's a buzzword. I don't think it means anything. I think it's a buzzword. But what I do think he actually has some legit blame to take, and the, the biggest one for me is, why have there been so many instances of Mahomes getting the play call late? Why have there been so many instances of Mahomes trying to get the play call, trying to figure out so he can get to the line of scrimmage so he can adjust, so he can see what's going on? That is on Matt Nagy. Matt Nagy is the relayer, right? Andy Reid might be the, the mastermind, the, the actual play call, but, but Matt Nagy, he's, he's the conductor, if you will. And it's why you don't see a conductor also play an instrument. It's why Mahomes has had so much on his plate. He's trying to get guys in place, trying to get the play call, trying to do everything while also playing uh, timpani. Good luck. It's too much for one guy. So, so, so for me, Matt Nagy, he does have some blame. Not in the drops instances. I think it's, again, it's not on him. You can, you can make a dude sit with a jugs machine all day and night. So end of the day, some guys have stone hands. Once they get into the game, the lights are too bright. I get that. But he has to do a better job of, A, Getting guys in place, especially young guys, because how many times have you seen pre-snap? No, dude, Mahomes pointing to a guy saying, you have to be here. Or, Mm. hey, come on now, you have to be here. Matt Nagy needs to be the guy in practice saying, hey, let's work on this. What do we need to do to make sure you're in the right spot? That's Matt Nagy. And getting the play call in, that's Matt Nagy. That, for me, are legit criticisms of Nagy. The drops, the accountability stuff, I, I don't know how much that's on him. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that one. I'm, I'm I understand all that. It it's hard for me to to pin. I, I just don't know. I just don't know. And and I and I want to caution Chiefs fans. It's just easy to look for a scapegoat, right? It's easy to go, hey, I'm mad at my team. I'm not seeing what I should be seeing. Who can I blame for this? 
And then, you know, so you just go to, well, he's a new guy. Therefore that, or be enemy. Oh, we lost him. Therefore we lost everything we've lost. I'll pin it to the guy who we also lost and everything we've gained. I'll pin it to the guy. We get like that kind of thing. We did it with Joe Cullen in a positive way. Yeah. The D line comes alive and we're like, Joe Cullen, give that guy a cape and leotards. He's the best positional coach in football. And it's like, well, how much of it was Cullen? How much of it was Spags knowing his system a little bit more? And how much was it? How much was it a rookie contract year for Chris Jones? Or, I mean, you know, like everything changes. Who knows? It's, yeah, you get what I'm saying. I, I, I was curious about, uh, I was curious about that. I, anyway, yeah. Great comment to get to. I, I want to. One's from Mr. Toes. Uh, says actually the conductor needs to know every instrument again. Yeah, Mahomes needs to know where everyone's supposed to be, but again, the conductor knows every instrument. He doesn't play every instrument while while he's also conducting. Like you know, I, I played in jazz band and, and orchestra. I played drums, all that stuff. Like I, I I understand what you're saying. You need to know the parts of every, everyone's parts, but when it's showtime, you're not the one conducting while also playing a trumpet. You're not doing that. That, that. So so Mahomes knows everyone's spots, but he shouldn't be directing them to get there during the game. That's all Matt Nagy. That's my opinion. You know, the only composer who also plays a trumpet is Shohei Blotani. <laughs> all right, sorry. That's all that's all I have. That's the worst joke ever. I'm sorry, folks. Uh, we should have we should have ended with that, and then I could just apologize and go, hey, uh, Bill Barnwell. Go yeah, ahead, let, me you up you. let me let me let me one up you on a, on a cheesy dad joke. You see this pig? See it? It's now pulled pork. Folks, I'm so sorry. I'm just sorry from from both of us. We're already starting out the year with the lowest possible point, <laughs> only so we can go up from here. Um, hey, look, one of my favorite NFL writers is Bill Barnwell. I love Bill Barnwell for ESPN. He put out his All Pro uh, teams for this year. Three Chiefs, three Chiefs made an all pro team. By the way, not one of them were named Mahomes or Kelsey. Crazy there, by the way. Like, if I would have told you before the season that we'd be talking about all pros and neither one would be Mahomes or Kelsey, I don't know what you'd think of that. But here's who he got he has Creed Humphrey, Joe Tooney, Legereus Sneed as his three players who he is giving all pro honors to for his teams this year. No Chris Jones, no Patrick Mahomes, no Travis Kelsey. Pretty insane. That shows you the kind of upside-down year that has been. What are your thoughts on that? I'm fine with the three. I think Tooney and Sneed are locks for me for sure. I I, I think you could argue with Creed Humphrey this season. I still think he's probably the best center, but but I think compared to last year, right? Yep. Um, who does he have at tight end? Uh, boy, I should have looked that up before I told you he did. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not trying to no. put you in the spot here because tight ends you get two. So George Kittle, of course. Well, he just put his best at each position. So just one. Yeah, he went with Kittle. He went with George Kittle. Yeah, that's fine. I have no issue. Second with team though, he went with Sam Laporta. Of yeah, the Lions, I, I'm not. I, I, I'm still going Kelsey over Laporta. Like, how much is Kelsey bringing away? Like attention, all that stuff. I, I, I would go Kittle and Kelsey this year. Still, that's my personal opinion. That's not me trying to be a homer. I think Laporta is great, 
but I still think Kelsey gets the, the edge. You know, Amon Ross St. Brown is is allowing some one-on-ones, obviously for Sam Laporta. There's no one on the Chiefs who was allowing one-on-ones for Travis Kelsey. It ain't happening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm fine with no Chris Jones this season. Uh, the missed game obviously hurts him. Um, I think Harrison Butker is an interesting one. I assume he has Brandon Aubrey if I was a betting man. You know what? I got this totally wrong. He actually did have Jones and not Creed Humphrey. Okay. So he had Chris Jones and not Creed Humphrey. <laughs> folks, folks, I'm just making up stuff on this podcast. Yeah, are, are if you, you want to uh, know if you want to know what you need to know before you launch a podcast, nothing. You just make it up as you go. <laughs> yeah, That's what I'm Connor. doing. Yeah, he has Brandon Aubrey and then Dustin Hopkins as his kickers, which just blows me away because what else if you're Butker, what else can you do? One of the two kicks you missed was Deflate Gate 2.0. I don't know what else you got to do for a team other than like it has to be Aubrey and and Butker at kicker. That, that that's my yep, yep. Uh, that's my opinion. I think I think it's Kelsey and Kittle at tight end for me. Um, defensive line, I'd have to do a little bit more of a of a deep dive into because I don't want to get caught out over my skis. Um, I'm fine with no Mahomes at quarterback. Snead, I think, is a lock. Uh, I'm glad he put Snead in because you look at the PFF numbers and they're not great because they, for some reason, the, the penalties bring him down so far, which again, yeah. for some reason, you hold was it AJ Brown to one catch for eight yards. Apparently, that sucks after he has what six straight 125 yards uh, games. <laughs> but because you have one penalty, yeah, sorry, man, that's an F. You should have gave up 125 yards like everyone else. Like it makes no sense. I mean, that's just absurd. Um, so yeah, I think Legarius Need is a is a lock for me. I think McDuffie had a case a little earlier on in the season. But when he he's a cornerback that does not get interceptions, it's not really what the Chiefs ask him or, quite frankly, the Chiefs secondary to do. They ask him to be more physical. They ask him to be more in the hip pocket and be, uh, quite frankly, a little less um, aggressive almost, like like take fewer chances. The the anti-Marcus Peters, if you will. They're saying <laughs> tackle well, stay in the hip pocket, knock the ball away, don't get beat. Yeah. They do a great job of that, and you've seen the the results this season for the Chiefs' defense, especially the secondary. So I can't complain there, but it is going to hurt McDuffie when he does not get the interceptions. Yeah, yeah. By the way, since we're kind of at the end of the year, who's been your most surprising player this year? I'd probably go Legereus Sneed. Okay. I'd probably go Legereus Sneed. Yeah. He's been been unreal, man. Like I, I, he was always been good. Yeah, but, but no this one is this. this is absurd, man. This is absurd. Uh, that might be a cop out answer. So I think Rashi Rice because I didn't have super high expectations for Rice. I really didn't. Right. Um, I I can't believe the way that we've talked about Drew Tranquil this this season. I mean, tra- like you know, Tranquil went from hey, that should make our linebacker core deep to. Is he our best linebacker? I mean, that, like that was a legitimate question when when Bolton was out and Tranquil was in there. You know, Spags is able to say, "Man, we did, it's been a seamless transition. It's been great." I think he's been a real. I think that's been a big surprise for me. He has been better than expected by, but not by much by me because I was very high on him when the Chiefs signed him. I was okay. high on him because he was a top fifteen coverage linebacker, coupled with the fact he, well, I think, was five and a half sacks last year. Yeah, I knew that, that, that with, with with Spags, the versatility was going to shine. Now, because of the opportunity, it, it obviously 
is more valuable, but this is what I thought just he's played more because of uh, the injury to Bolton. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think you're right. I think Sneed was a good answer for you too, because I think before this season started, I think we all knew that Sneed was going to be a free agent and everyone was okay with letting him walk because we had McDuffie because we had a real young and deep secondary. And now it's like, well, I know we're young and deep, but I know we have Trim McDuffie and I know we have like, other young guys like Connor, Nazi Johnson, Nick Jones, who still need room to grow into something, but I'm I'm not letting Legarius sneak. I mean, now there's like real consideration of do we spend the money to keep him there, which is a huge conversational shift. So yeah, I, I think that's going to be uh, I think that's huge. That's why you don't uh, pay one Taylor a right tackle twenty plus million, but I will. That- Yes. I, I need to take my own words. It's a sunk cost. Sterling, it's a sunk cost. It's a sunk cost. They did it. They paid a right tackle 20 plus million. <laughs> oh, man. Please tell me it was Lane Johnson, right? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Anyway, um, one more before um, we have bigger surprise. Who's your biggest disappointment? Is it is it Valdez Scantling? Is there any question that MVS is your biggest no. disappointment? No, it's Sky Moore. Oh. Man, it was Sky for me. I was so high on Sky. I was Sky high. <laughs> like like call me Lupe Fiasco and Kanye West because I was trying to touch the sky. <laughs> Man, yeah. I'm just I'm bummed. Oh. Like I I compared him to Deontay Johnson. I was sitting oh. here saying this guy's getting eight fifty this year. Oh, you did, yeah. Like I yeah. was high on 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 Sky Moore. I really thought that he was going to be a a consistent chain mover for Kansas City. Not a deep ball guy, but a consistent chain mover. I thought he was going to be the the uh, the Juju Smith Schuster guy. Yeah, man, I, I'm really bummed by that because I think he's a guy who got in his head as well. I wonder what happens next year. I, I assume he's still on the roster because he's going to be under contract. It's a rookie contract. Sure. It makes no sense to cut him. Like it, it doesn't. I know everyone's going to be frustrated by it, but take a step back. He looked pretty good in training camp. I, I, I am I am very surprised by the lack of progression and, quite frankly, the regression of Sky Moore. So for me personally, that's my biggest disappointment. Yeah, I I got to go Cornell Powell. I mean, I thought. I thought Cornell Powell was going to have a thousand yards. <laughs> I just thought, given his fifth round draft status, given his year on the practice squad, given his couple catches in the preseason, I just thought, Cornell, this is your year, baby. This is your year, Cornell. And no, nothing, nothing, Cornell. Where are you, Cornell Powell? Are you there, Cornell Powell? Where, where are you? Powell? Where are you, Cornell Powell? We should start an online campaign. Hashtag, where are you, Cornell? Uh, because, yeah, this is... It's in New York, I think. Cornell the call. Yeah, it is. Uh, I don't know. It's somewhere. They're all the same state up there. Yeah, Dude, Lucas, is that your real answer? What, what's your real answer? I, you know, MVS is... is um, I Again, I just can't believe the floor dropped out on a guy like that who should have been, you know... I just don't get it. Also, Lucas knows me so well. Lucas in the comments says, Neil Farrell is Connor's actual answer. So true. So true. 
because because if you put if you shook the Keebler tree and forced all the elves who cook to line up on the Chiefs defensive line, you would have the exact same results as everyone they've ever put next to Chris Jones. And yet, and yet, Neil Farrell, who you traded a sixth-round pick for, still can't get playing time because he's a healthy scratch, even though he has three years of cost control left on his contract, fourth-round LSU run-stuffer, the guy's so big, you could just sit him there and he takes up two gaps. What in the world? I don't get it. Neil Farrell, why did we make that trade if you're not going to play that trade? Yeah, get out of here. Man, I love Brett Veach. I love Brett Veach. I think his draft acumen is so much better than than even a lot of positive fans realize. But every like fifth deal is like a total like what in the world was that thing? And uh, yeah, that, that Neil Farrell thing. It's like, we didn't even try. I've never seen a guy get so upset about using a sixth rounder. Dude. I he mean, used two six rounders. Trey Smith, Trey Smith is a sixth rounder. Okay. Well, he had medical conditions that, that dropped him to the sixth round. Apparently Rashad Neil does too. He's a, allergic to the field. That's his medical condition. He's allergic to playing time. I don't get it. Yeah, anyway. Pacheco seventh rounder. Come on. Look, man. Yeah, that's that's the bread and butter for for my man Brett Veach. Anyway, that's uh that's neither here nor there. Just like Neil Farrell, he's neither here nor there. Yeah, folks, you've been hanging out uh with us on Arrowhead Attic Podcast, and we've reached the end of the show, which if that's true, then you know that we've reached the must list. Uh, our buddy at the end of every show, we invite our buddy producer Richard to uh, come on and join us. Richard, you there? I'm here. Dude. Good evening, gentlemen. Daniel. Uh, all right. Daniel Boone uh, <laughs> is here with us. Is it Davy Crockett? Is that right? Dude, that- I'm just going to explain this one for the, the listeners who That's are. My you know, I'm, I'm, yeah, the, the, I'm wearing a trapper hat. I noticed you guys were both wearing hats, and then I felt kind of left out. So I, I reached for whatever was closest to me, and it happened to be a red flannel trapper hat so that's that's what's happening here yes i'm daniel boone why not i'll take it i I don't know what historical person i almost said magellan i don't know they're all the same (laughs) it's like whoever you learn about in history class Mm -hmm. uh yeah anyway well i'm gonna give a quick shout out to kirk kirk thank you dude says dig at sterling's take uh kansas city is underappreciative the next jim rome rack him dude not the net he is jim rome (laughs) Who's Jim Rome? It's Sterling Holmes, by the way. Appreciate you, Kirk. <laughs> um, Richard, what do you got for the must list today? You want to start with you? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I, have, I actually haven't watched anything new or cool, uh, but I have been rewatching a lot of old films, and one of them I figure why not? I'll just I'll just wreck it, even though I'm sure everyone's seen it, but maybe some young people out there haven't. 1987's RoboCop, uh, Paul Verhoeven, graphic violence. You got that awesome score by, uh, I think it's like Basil something or other, Pol- Polidarsky, Pol- Polidorus, Polido- Polidorus, sorry, I didn't want, I didn't want to butcher that Whoop-dee-doo, last name. What do you do, Basil? Um, sorry, Basil. Um, but yeah, it's an awesome film. If, it, if nobody's watched it, watch it. Don't even read about what it is. I mean, I'm sure you know it's called a RoboCop. <laughs> I think I think most people get into it, what that movie's about. So yeah. Is that um, the one I, with, where Paul Blart is on a Segway? 
Yes, exactly. And then he gets yes. injured going down an escalator, and they rebuild him, um, and he has to find his humanity. Yeah, it's crazy and violent. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go so I can make Sterling close out the show. Um, f- dude, have you guys watched Friday Night Lights, like the TV show? Oh, I think I watched a movie. Wasn't there a movie, Friday Night Lights? Yeah, there was a book. There was, yes. There was a book that was made into a movie. And was that with Billy were, Bob? Yes. Both were yeah, good. Yeah. Both were good. They turned it into a TV show, and you would think like, oh, I bet that was pretty bad. I bet it was just like a knockoff of the thing. Dude, that TV show has so much heart. It like it like it nails the high school experience. Like it nails in in with all the nuance, all the emotions and the feelings and the it's insane how good it is. It's it's five seasons. Every one of them are great. I we've I've watched that show multiple times, and now we're starting it again. My wife, who could care less about sports things, loves it too. Um, yeah, it's 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 just awesome. So yeah, if if you've never seen it, and uh, by the explosions in the sky does the soundtrack to the to the uh, to the show, and it works really well. Perfect for there too. Anyway. Uh, that's my must list. I'm rewatching it, so I just thought I'd throw that out there. But before I do my must list, I, I have to say, did anyone watch the ball drop in uh, was it Nashville? And it was Leonard Skinner, the 50 years of Leonard Skinner. But I'm sitting here going, this is a cover band. None of the original members of Leonard Skinner are in the band. Like it kicks ass. It was awesome. Don't get me wrong. It was a lot of fun. And it, it looked like a great time. Don't, I'm listening to that over Meg the Stallion. Like, like, give, give me Freebird with with the three guitars, the, the the dueling guitars all day. But it's basically a Leonard Skinner cover band at this point, right? Like, I dug it. It's fun. But when they say 50 years of Leonard Skinner, I'm sitting here going, well, I kind of. <laughs> like, I, I, it's interesting to me. I, I never understand that. Like, is Journey still Journey, even though they, they the singer's gone? Well, you still have some original members, right? So wouldn't that make it the still part of the the, the original band? Maybe I'm wrong here. Maybe I'm being a little, little um, I don't know how we would call that. Um, old man yells at cloud. But I thought that thought was a little, little interesting. I just finished my Cinnamon Toast Crunch. I bought a box of new Cinnamon Toast Crunch. I poured that in. All the old members of Cinnamon Toast Crunch were gone, but the new box still says Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Is that still Cinnamon Toast Crunch? Dude, mind blown. Mind blown. Angry Drunken Jurgen says all Angry Drunken German says all the members of Journey didn't pass away in a plane crash. They didn't all. It, most of Leonard Skinner still lived and went on. They 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 toured and they had a thing in place where they had to at least have two original members, but now there's zero original members in it. Sorry, I didn't mean to go off on a tangent here. I, I like Leonard Skinner. Kicks so much ass. Just saying. All right, fine. My, uh, <laughs> yeah, Sean, what's going on here? Apparently, I'm I'm the only one that's um, that noticed this thing. <laughs> uh, my my must list is Black Sabbath's album, Black Sabbath Volume Four. Uh, it's probably my favorite Sabbath album. Uh, just incredible. Supernaut might be my favorite Sabbath songs. Uh, Snowblind is a song about cocaine, allegedly about cocaine. But come on. Let's 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 use some uh, deductive reasoning here. Um, yeah, man, that that album is is awesome. So Black Sabbath Volume Four. Go Sabbath. You were no, supposed to take us out, Sterling. I, I thought you might have some interesting uh, thoughts on that, Connor or Richard. But I guess I'll go bleep myself, guys. It feels so good to be back. I miss you all. Thank you guys for spending your day after New Year's 
with the fellas, Richard, Matt Connor, and myself, Sterling Holmes. This was the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. I'll be back tomorrow with Adam Best. Until then, we are out. Blue Raiders.